Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
now for a time of confession. Let us pray. God, you created us. You know us. You know when we love and when we choose not to love. You know when we listen and when we choose to speak over others. You know our fears and when we choose to act out of fear. Forgive us of the times when our actions do not reflect the love you have shown to us, when we decide not to pass on grace and forgiveness to others. Forgive us, God. Meet us in our fear, our worry, and our anxiety. Hear the good news. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Not our selfishness, not our incidents of hatred, not our tendency to demonize or distance others. God's love is larger. God's grace is more powerful. The good news is that we are loved, called to love. We are forgiven, called to forgive.
Amen. And now for Holy Interruption. <laughs> Hello, Downtown Church. This is Alan and Penny Arnold. We have reached our new home in Vancouver, Washington on October the 1st. However, we're still waiting for our furniture to arrive. We are one of the couples that sat in the front row at Central Energy uh, and worshiped there for several years with you. Now we're worshiping uh, from afar. We still, we're very, we can log in very easily and we very much enjoy the worship services. We miss you all. Glad you're able to worship together now sometimes. And God bless you all. Keep us in your prayers. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. We interrupt this interruption to let you know about a change coming your way, um, which is going to please some of our people who like to sleep in on Sunday mornings. We are moving worship to 10 a.m. beginning next Sunday, October 18th, and then continuing on. So 10 a.m., back lawn, still bring your your chair and your mask and sit down where there's an X uh, and your offering, you know, that would be great. And we'll see you at 10. Our scripture reading comes from the gospel according to Mark. We continue in our sermon series on the gospel of Mark, and today we're reading from chapter 14, verses 43 through 50. Immediately, while Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. And with him there was a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one who I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. So when he came, he went up to Jesus at once and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. And then they laid hands on him and arrested him. But one of them who stood near drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to them, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. All of them deserted him and fled. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The title of today's sermon is Our Friend Fear. Our Friend Fear. Whenever I think there is something happening that God might not understand, I find it right here in Scripture. Crowds, swords and clubs, tension cutting through downtown city. No one feels safe. Everyone is on edge. Everyone is unsure of what is about to happen. 
Jesus is there. In the midst of it, Jesus, who is peace, who is love, Jesus, who lifts up the vulnerable and cares for the sick and calls out hypocrisy, is the target of violence. And we might as well be in the crowd. You and I, we are in the crowd. Whether we are in person or watching from our television screens or scrolling through our newsfeed, we are watching tensions rise around us. And we are afraid. We are afraid of one another. We are afraid of impending violence. We are afraid because we know, we know what can happen when we push each other to opposite extremes and we deny our common humanity. We know what happens. Jesus, the presence of truth, of love, of peace, is taken away. (laughs) We know fear. We know fear from the youngest among us. We know what it's like to be afraid. Afraid of the dark. Afraid of getting into trouble. Afraid of not being liked or accepted in social settings. We all know what it's like to be afraid. It's a shared experience. And, and, and we don't like to be afraid. It makes us feel smaller than we are, helpless, and and nobody likes feeling helpless. But fear is not our enemy. Fear is not our enemy. In fact, fear is our friend. Fear points us to what matters. A wise therapist told me last week that fear is a productive emotion as it points us to what we value, what we want to protect. Think about it. If you are walking down a dark alleyway and you get afraid, it's because you value your physical well-being. You don't want to get hurt, and that's a good thing, you know? Self-preservation instincts are good. Or... Or if you're afraid that someone you love might abandon you like a friend or a parent or a spouse or a child, that fear is actually good because it points to what matters to you, that relationship, that bond, that connection. We don't want to lose what is valuable to us. Or if you're afraid at the state of our country, the polarization that happens every election cycle yet seems to have climbed to new heights this go-around, pushing us farther apart, your fear points to the fact that you care about our country and its ideals. And you value our being able to have honest conversations despite our differences. Fear becomes our friend when we ask ourselves the question, Why am I afraid? Asking ourselves that question makes us name what it is that matters to us. Our safety, our ability to predict and plan into the future, our connection to one another. And in the crowd, in the crowd when our impulse is to defend Jesus, 
if we ask ourselves, hold up, why am I afraid right now? We can discern that it's because we care about Jesus. We, we don't want him to die. We don't want him to be taken from us. And then we must ask ourselves, well, does Jesus want us to use violence to protect him? His answer is clear, no. Jesus says to stop the violence, and he critiques those who come as aggressors to arrest him with clubs and swords, saying that he would have gone with them peacefully. The tricky thing about fear, our fear, is that if we don't check our motives before we act, we will act out of fear. And fear can lead us in some dangerous ways if we're not careful. Fear can lead us to try to control situations and control people in unhealthy ways. Fear can lead us to harm those we love, Jesus, ourselves. Like taking a sword and removing the ear of someone close by, someone who appears to be our enemy. We can act out of our fear when we unnecessarily distance ourselves. I'm talking about more than the six feet that is safe right now. When we push ourselves, when we cancel each other, we further isolate ourselves and allow this fear of the unknown, the fear of what is other to drive us farther and farther apart. Fear can cause us to get violent with our words that slight change in tone that our loved ones can pick up on that scares them. When we want so badly to preserve and protect ourselves, what we have, who we love, but deep down we know we are afraid because we cannot protect what we love, not as much as we want to. One of us, one of us, Judas, acts from fear. And it results in the harm of his friends, of Jesus, and of himself. And we don't know what's going on with Judas, not fully. Maybe he's afraid of the authorities. Maybe they're threatening him. Maybe they have dirt on him. We know that they are paying him. Fear can lead us to quickly turn on each other. And it happens here. An act of kindness, a greeting, a kiss turns love to hate in a moment. The signal for arrest, the betrayal that leads to Jesus' death. Bishop Michael Curry just put out a book called Love is the Way. Love is the Way. And in it, he talks about our ability to transcend the places that trap us transcend the places where fear traps us. And this is what Jesus does. Jesus, he gets afraid. It's the human part of him. He, he doesn't want to die for the same reasons that we don't want to die. We're attached to our loved ones around us. So Jesus prays for this cup to pass him over. He begs God for a different way to rescue the world. But then... Then Jesus transcends his fear. He transcends that which traps him, and he does not let fear, his fear, lead his actions. 
He leads in love. And because Jesus leads in love, his suffering and his death do not have the final word. His suffering and death do not have the final word, which means our suffering, our death does not have the final word. Resurrection does. And that is the good news. That even in this dark place of our story, of our humanity, even the worst that we could possibly imagine, it doesn't have the final word. I know you're afraid. I'm afraid too. I'm afraid of the polarization of opinions and parties in our country right now. I'm afraid that staying six feet apart will keep us from the honest conversations we need so that we can see common humanity in each other. I'm holding on, though. I'm holding on to the fact that the fear we have is good because it points to what we care about. You and I, we we care about life and the connection with other humans. We care about our families and our friends and our communities. We care about our country. We care about peace. And we will not act out of fear when any of those things we care about gets threatened. Or should I say, we will try not to. We're not Jesus. With Jesus' help, we can act through love and not through our fear. For fear can drive us apart. But love, love drives us to one another. May it be so. I wish upon you peace. I wish upon you grace. I wish for less of what you Need their moment to shine. I wish you. Really-
Hey, Don. Hey, Lucas. Uh, thanks for that good word that um, seems just super relevant to my own like internal wrestling with fear and love. And, and it, it definitely helped put me into this story as we kind of come to the end of Jesus's story, at least in Mark, uh, but really the beginning of his story for all of us. That's right. Yeah. Um, so when, you, when you're talking about fear, I'm, I'm thinking about what what I'm praying for. And I'm, I'm curious, what specifically are you praying for um, in this time? Hmm. I am praying a lot for um, leaders in our congregation who are having to make hard decisions at work, um, praying for uh, those who find themselves without a job. And um, I'm praying a lot for parents who are, you know, figuring out new ways of, of leading their kids, whether that's a change of school or, um, continuing to figure out e-learning or, you know, looking towards hybrid models. I find myself praying for parents a whole lot, um, and teachers and students. Um, and then I, I find myself just handing over to God, the world, <laughs> praying that, um, God, you know, is sovereign and has a plan for us and doing the best that I can to trust that God's got us, because God does. God does. Um, How about you, Lucas? What are you praying for these days? A lot of that, too. I know um, it's kind of cheap to say ditto, but I think <laughs> your words are true. And just the, I keep thinking about um, just the holidays that are coming up and, and the how much people look forward to seeing family and seeing loved ones and spending time with people and how it might be different in that kind of anticipatory grief that people mm -hmm. might be feeling. Um, as well as just the unease of the world. So praying for um, for God's sovereignty, because God does have this, and we just have to, um, when we get afraid, like you said in your sermon, but choose to act out of love, mm -hmm. and praying that I can do that more often than fear, because it's a lot easier to act out of fear, I think. But I think it's just human nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to have grace for each other, because I, I do think we're, I am finding myself acting out of my fear or out of my anxiety or um, not out of my best. And so I'm trying to give grace for myself and for others uh, in that time. Because, uh, you know, seven months into this, we're, we're all feeling the weight of everything's different, everything's unexpected and not as we would want it to be. And that it wears on you, you know, like the Israelites. I mean, I don't want to do 40 years of this, no. but it, it is, it's weighing, it's weighing on us. 40 years, man, you'd retire in COVID. <laughs> what you trying to say, Lucas? I don't know. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. With that, let's go to God in prayer. 
loving God, you meet us in our fear. You meet us in the chaos of the world. You meet us in our brokenness, and you see us for who we are, your beloved children. Comfort us, God. Spur us to comfort each other. Let us remember that we are all created in your image. Let us care for one another. Let us care for the world. Let us care for those who are mourning, those who are grieving. God, live. we lift up those who are sick, who are in the hospital alone. We lift up those who are on the streets. God, we lift up those who are hungry, those who are forced to flee because of fire, because of flood, because of uncertainty. God, we give you thanks that you rule, that you rule this world. Help us to remember that you are sovereign, that you are with us. God, we, we give you thanks for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us so that we may live. Amen. So Don, oftentimes following the prayer, we do an affirmation of faith. Um, and usually we use the Apostles' Creed, which is a good creed. It's kind of our classic one, but I'm sure you know that we've got a lot of creeds and confessions that the Presbyterian Church holds dear. Do you have a favorite of all those? I'm going to cheat because I know which one we're doing. I, I do like C67. Yeah. Um, and the Barman Declaration. Uh, you and I have had this conversation. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of creeds um, to say together because they are written in a different time, but they, they hold such value for us in rem- reminding us about our history and the role of Christians um, to respond to what's happening in the world. I, Lucas led a, a class on this for the tiny theologians, and I, I learned a whole lot about why we do creeds. Um, yeah, we wrote our own creeds about anti-bullying. I think one of them was just that we believe that Jesus doesn't like bullying and wants us to love one another. And that's I was like, right. that's a creed that... That's right. And we should paint it's the world good, with that. It's a good creed. So yeah, you, you mentioned C sixty C sixty seven, which is short for Confession sixty seven, which was a creed that the Presbyterian Church um, came together and wrote at a really turbulent time in the nineteen sixties. Um, and I was reading it recently, and um, get, we can use it today as an opportunity to affirm our faith um, in something we've said a lot today of God's sovereignty. Um, so here now these words um, from the Confession of nineteen sixty seven. We believe that God's reign is present as a ferment in the world, stirring hope in humanity and preparing the world to receive its ultimate judgment and redemption. With an urgency born of this hope, the church applies itself to present tasks and strives for a better world. It does not identify limited progress with the kingdom of God on earth, nor does it despair in the face of disappointment and defeat. In steadfast hope, the church looks beyond all partial achievement to the final triumph in God. Amen. And now for the benediction. I know you're afraid, but as much as is possible, as much as you can, lead your life with love. And as you go from this place, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the love of God and the interruption of that Holy Spirit may it be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Go in God's peace. A special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Sean Thompson, Zanda Bose, and Mario McLean. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. We found each other in the dark by City and Color, Gloria Patry by City Hymns, and Find the Light by David Ramirez. Scripture quoted by the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Theological musings and prayer brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde. Thank you.